Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. Well, hello and welcome to Compliance Clarified, the Thomson Reuters podcast for governance, risk and compliance practitioners from around the world. I'm Nathan Lynch, the Asia-Pacific Manager for Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence, and it's great to be here with you today for what is bound to be a very fascinating discussion. Now, as you would be aware, the financial sector in Singapore has been rattled in recent months by the country's largest ever money laundering scandal. The case was triggered when Singaporean banks began filing suspicious matter reports on suspected organised crime groups that were believed to be washing billions of dollars in the city-state on behalf of offshore gangs. Singaporean police have so far seized assets worth 2.8 billion Singaporean dollars or around 2 billion US dollars. And they've uncovered a web of people who are allegedly moving illicit funds through the financial services hub. Raids in August led to the arrest of 10 foreigners and the seizure of luxury properties, cars, gold bars, designer handbags and jewellery. Singaporean officials have said they're expecting to see more arrests and seizures as the investigation continues. In today's episode of Compliance Clarified, we're very fortunate to have Yisheng Zeng with us in Singapore to discuss some of the thorny questions that have emerged from this case. Yisheng is the Southeast Asian correspondent the Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence, based in Singapore. Yisheng, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Nathan. Now, to get things started, can you please explain to us in a little more depth what exactly happened with this latest Singaporean money laundering scandal? Sure, sure. So the money laundering case began in 2021 when the Singaporean authorities were alerted by banks through suspicious transaction reports. And then the police started investigating these alerts. Such alerts showed that suspected fraudulent documents were actually used to support sources of funds in banks' accounts in Singapore. Then the police extended its search until 2022, uncovering a web of people allegedly moving money to Singapore from abroad. While that money was suspected to have been gained from criminal activities. Then this year, on August 15, Singapore police conducted a nationwide raid, arresting 10 ethnic Chinese businessmen, mostly each with one Chinese passport and one another passport from a Southeast Asian nation. The police seized more than 2.8 billion Singapore dollars, making it one of the world's biggest money laundering cases. The more than 2.8 billion Singapore dollars worth of frozen assets include 152 properties and 62 vehicles with account-wide worth of more than 1.24 billion Singapore dollars, bank accounts worth more than 1.45 billion Singapore dollars, cryptocurrencies worth more than 38 million Singapore dollars, together with thousands of bottles of liquor and wine, cash, amounting to more than 76 million Singapore dollars, other gold bars, luxury bags, expensive watches, and lots of pieces of jewelry. That's fascinating, Yisheng. Now, there's a huge international component to this 
case and this investigation. So could you sort of explain to our listeners how the case is part of a broader Southeast Asian crime network? Yeah, this is very interesting. Actually, this case is part of a broader campaign by Asian governments to counter a huge surge in money laundering linked to organized crime. This criminal tsunami has roots in illicit online gambling by Chinese punters, actually. Much of it organized in Southeast Asia by ethnic Chinese gangs. In recent years, the gangsters have also moved into other illegal activity, especially online scams. Police in Australia, Hong Kong, Malaysia, the Philippines, Thailand, and Singapore have recently raided casinos and scam shops to arrest and grab the assets of those who are responsible. So besides this 2.8 billion Singapore dollar Singaporean case, there were other two cases the police made it public this year. One happened in Australia, arresting seven suspects and seized over $30 million in assets. The other case was happening in the Philippines, which rescued 2,700 people around who claimed to have been tricked into working in cybercrime. This summer, China actually released its blockbuster film called No More Bets. So this is a movie warns of the risk of being, tra- of being trafficked to Southeast Asian countries to work in cyber scanning. So in terms of the reason why there is such a crisis, surge, this can be traced back to a corruption crackdown launched by Chinese President Xi Jinping almost a decade ago. Firstly, China has a very strict capital control policy. Secondly, gambling is illegal in China, except Macau. President Xi's anti-corruption campaign has put an end to move huge cash flows from Macau for gambling. As such, Chinese gamblers had to look for an alternative location to continue their profit-making acts. Then they found online gambling in the Southeast Asian countries, which are permitted by local laws and regulations, such as in the Philippines, Thailand, and Cambodia. So that's how this whole thing got started. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of US politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. Singapore is renowned as an extremely clean jurisdiction, and uh, it's safe to say that this has sent shockwaves throughout the economy and throughout society, Yisheng. So could you explain to us how, now that this has become public, what has the government been doing to help combat the scale, nature, and complexity of these types of money laundering cases? Right now, the Singaporean government is trying to set up an interministerial committee which revamps the country's financial system and strengthens its AML-CFT regime. So this committee will be chaired by Injoni Rajya, the second minister for finance. The committee will comprise office holders from the Monetary Authority of Singapore, Ministry of Home Affairs, Ministry of Law, Ministry of Manpower, as well as the Ministry of Trade and Industry. 
So the government will focus on four major aspects. For example, how to prevent corporate structure from being abused by money launderers, how financial institutions can enhance their controls and collaborate more effectively to guard against and flag suspicious transactions, how other participants, for example, in the financial ecosystem can help circumvent and mitigate money laundering risks, as well as how to centralize and strengthen capabilities across the various government agencies, so basically to better detect suspicious activities. On the other hand, the MAS also proposed a very important platform, which they call COSMIC. So this is short for Collaborative Sharing of Money Laundering, Terrorism Financial Information and Cases. This platform will make it easier for financial institutions to detect and deter criminal activity. This will be made available to six local banks firstly, such as DBS, OCBC, and UOB, when it's rolled out from the second half of 2024. So looking at this from a compliance perspective, what do you think this case and the ramifications and the flow on consequences will mean for financial services compliance teams? Actually, when I spoke to um, compliance officers in the industry, they, their um, consensus is that the whole case was actually triggered by suspicious transaction reports. And that's the evidence that compliance control in Singapore are actually working, So, which is a good thing. Of course, the case also kind of exposes certain gaps that compliance officers need to work on. But as a whole, it shows that Singapore takes very seriously about AML CFT obligations. Rigorous um, enforcement, both from the law enforcement side, the police, as well as from the regulatory side with the MAS, are a major part of Singapore's strategy to make sure that its AML CTF controls are effective and that it doesn't become a conduit for money laundering. The Singapore government has made it clear that the authority will not tolerate the abuse of the country's financial system for illicit activity. This is also expressed in its regulatory approach and resource area. The MAS has a dedicated team of AML policymakers and supervisors that look specifically at this space. Very interesting. So, you know, we've seen there that the, the use of financial intelligence reports to detect this case has been highly successful. And another element that we've explored on regulatory intelligence, of course, is the impact of the fifth round Financial Action Task Force mutual evaluations, where they will specifically be coming to countries to look for evidence that their AML regime is working. And cases like this are a great way of demonstrating to the FATF that countries are doing what they need to be doing at an international level. So let's look at this now, Yisheng, in the context of the Monetary Authority of Singapore's latest enforcement report for 22-23. Can you just talk to us about some of the major takeaways from that report and how it fits in with this broader fight against serious and organised financial crime? Sure. So the latest report has highlighted the role of digital evidence. Enforcement cases has increased exponentially. And the authority is relying heavily on technology in its investigation to improve, let's say, um, its effectiveness and efficiency. The authority has also warned that cases will only increase in novelty and complexity in the coming years. Right now, the authority's major enforcement priorities include four aspects, such as market abuse, 
financial services misconduct, money laundering related control breaches, and making better use of technology to fight against financial crime. This report highlighted two international AML cases that are linked to the city state. The first case is Wirecard. So the authority imposed penalties on four banks for AML CFT compliance failures. In relation to the Wirecard investigations, penalties totaling 3.8 million Singapore dollars, they were imposed on Citibank Singapore, DBS, OCBC, and Swiss Life. The banks were found to have inadequate AML CFT controls in place when they dealt with individuals who were involved in transactions that were linked to Wirecard or its related parties. The second case is about the 1MDB. The former managing director of Goldman Sachs, Roger Earl, was sentenced to 10 years for laundering billions of dollars misappropriated from 1MDB through three bond offering transactions. Former deputy chief executive and head of private banking of PSI Bank, Raj Shreenram, was also issued a 10-year prohibition order for his role in failing to file suspicious transaction reports in relation to 1MDB. So these cases actually indicate that both domestically as well as in the international forum, Singapore takes money laundering-related breaches very, very seriously, especially when they involve a senior executive who neglect or contribute to a serious AML compliance failures. Well, Yishang, thank you so much for sharing this with us today. It's been really invaluable getting your insights from on the ground up there in Singapore. Very interesting case. And I think we'll see this play out for many months and possibly years into the future. Now, dear listener, if you would like to learn more, don't forget to check out Regulatory Intelligence, where we explore all of the critical topics in regulation, risk and financial crime across Asia and indeed the world. I'm Nathan Lynch, Asia-Pacific Manager for Regulatory Intelligence. And until next time, stay compliant. Compliance Clarified. A podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence.